The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 368. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back in the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page. You can find all those social media accounts at my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. Or you can just look for me for those social media accounts. It's all Brian McClanahan. You, if you go to brianmcclanahan.com, while you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to McClanahanAcademy.com, McClanahanAcademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll, 10 Myths of American History, and you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. And I did promise a new course by the end of September. I just had to push that back a little bit, but it will be within the next week or two that you'll have a new course out. So get over there and enroll. This is a good opportunity to do it, and that way you get the best deal when that course does come out. You can also click on that support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep these lights on, help keep the podcast going. You can get a Brian McClanahan book plate if you want my autograph on one of my books. Uh, It's a great way to do that. I've got, of course, a number of books out. My most recent is Southern Scribblings, 60 Essays and Defenses of Southern Tradition. It's an awesome book. You're going to want it, and you can get it autographed if you buy one of those book plates. Also click on that shop tab while you're at brianmcclanahan.com. You can get my Brian McClanahan Show logo and all kinds of cool stuff. And, of course, go to Learn True, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. That is my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. I teach there with Tom and a whole bunch of other great instructors. And, as always, rate this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Share it around on social media. Send me your show suggestions. Do everything you can do to help people think locally, act locally. We are in a mess, and I think that's the topic of the show. I know that you're, seeing, you're being bombarded with this, but, hey, i got to throw my hat in the ring as well. Let's talk about the debates last night, and I'm going to start out by saying the very first thing. This is the reason why I said in a podcast, oh gosh, uh, it's been about 40 podcasts ago, 40 episodes ago, but this is why I said that I have never voted for a major party. Uh, Well, I say that. I did one time. One of my first times to be able to vote for president, I voted for a major party. But I haven't voted for a major party since. Not since that time. And I think the very clear reason is why is last night. Look, I said on, I think it was episode 324, that I've never voted major party in presidential politics, at least not since the first time I could vote. And that's been well over 20 years. And I don't because of the nonsense we watched with both Trump and Biden. There are other candidates to choose from. And I think it's a travesty that we don't have these other candidates on the stage. Why is the Constitution Party not there? Why is the Libertarian Party not there? Why don't we have the Green Party? Why are we limiting choices for Americans to two people, two 70-year-old men, uh, one of which uh, clearly is showing signs of mental decline, the other who just went out in rabid attack mode and didn't really get his points across. And I think that we're going to get into this. I'm going to talk about the debate last night and some of the things that happened and didn't happen and where I think that also this is indicative of the mess of presidential politics and how it's just completely stupid. I mean, I, hold a, I wrote a whole book about it, Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America, based on what we saw last night. 
They are all a symptom of the disease, and the disease is executive power and executive abuse. So that said, I mean, we should have a debate with every major party. And I say the Libertarian Party, the Constitution Party, the Green Party, all of these parties are major parties. I mean, they are. They get thousands and thousands of votes every time there's an election. They should be on the stage, too. Americans should see there are more choices than just two people for president of the United States. Now, clearly, uh, those people would not win the election. But if we had some electoral college reform, which I've talked about, if we had some you know, a, a system perhaps in place where you had electoral votes that could be peeled off in different areas, like a couple of states already do, well, that would be a great boon to these independent and smaller parties that would allow people to, to really cast their vote in a mode of conscience, not just, well, I don't like Joe Biden, so I'm going to vote for Trump, or I don't like Trump, so I'm going to vote for Biden. Neither candidate really inspires confidence. Trump has opportunities, and he's done some right things, uh, without question. Uh, and Biden is better on, a, on uh, charisma in terms of trying to attach or at least appeal to the public. And I'll talk about that in a minute. So let's look at the debate. I mean, gosh, I, I was going to print this thing out and read some highlights, but it's like 80 pages of arguing. And I mean, this is what I think turned people off last night. 80 pages of arguing. From the moment we began the debate, we had a situation where Trump was in attack dog mode. Now, maybe he thought that was what he needed to do to try to persuade people that he's the right candidate for re-election. I don't know. In fact, before they, uh, they, even, they even got on the stage, Trump's campaign had already released a series of questions that uh, he said that uh, these are things that needed to be answered by the Biden camp. And if you look at that series of questions, it's everything he was doing in attacking Biden. He wanted to bring up Hunter Biden and all of his illegal and illicit activities. Uh, he wanted to, uh, for example, he wanted to bring up uh, gosh, a number of issues that Trump, I mean, I can't even remember everything on there, but Trump certainly did try to hit on these points all night. He wanted to attach Biden to all the radical leftists that are out there. And I think he did a good job of that, at least in a way. Biden wouldn't answer some of the zingers that were thrown his way. For, uh, for example, he wouldn't, when, when Biden said, I am the Democrat Party, I mean, Trump's zinger was perfect. That's not what Kamala Harris says. I mean, she says this is the Harris-Biden ticket. She's at the top of the ticket. It's not what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says. The people that are really driving the left right now, driving the Democrats, it's not Joe Biden. I mean, you can make a case as Nancy Pelosi. Certainly, she is a powerful individual in the Democrat Party. But the ideological base are the people that are running around in all of these cities, burning stuff down, looting, destroying things, and voting for people like the squad and Kamala Harris. That's the base of the Democrat Party. It's why I said when Biden was clearly going to be the front runner, I said the only thing he can do to win the election is to pick someone like Stacey Abrams or Kamala Harris. I said that a long time ago, and of course, that's what they did. He's got to get the base. The Bernie Sanders, the Bernie bros, that's the base of the Democrat Party. Now, on the other side, the left would say, well, the base of the Republican Party are all white nationalists and white supremacists. That's not true at all. We know that's not true. We know those people are out there. We know that, I mean, that just, that's a fact. Uh, some of those people actually 
vote Democrat. I mean, it, this, this just because they're, they're this doesn't mean they're not going to vote different ways. And this is another thing that, of course, and I'll get into some of the questions that were asked. Uh, uh, the way they were presented shows you that there's clearly a bias in how we think about presidential politics. But from the moment Trump hit the stage, he was in attack mode. And I think that was a, that was a disaster for the Trump campaign. I was watching the debate with a couple of people that, I mean, they, they're just moderately interested in politics. And, I, and while they laughed when Trump had his zingers, I think they were a little turned off by the constant interruptions and attacks on Joe Biden. Let Joe Biden open his mouth and you're going to win. I mean, Biden will hang himself. He's done it so many times. Joe Biden has never really won anything on his own. And the only reason he's a, he's a front runner right now is because Trump is running against himself. If Trump understood that he's really just running against himself, he's not really running against Joe Biden, he's running against himself. His job is try, to try to appeal to the people that he might run off because of attack dog mode or because he keeps interrupting Biden. Trump's message of reconciliation is a beautiful message. I think that uh, if you're going to look at a Lincolnian nationalist message, kind of a post-World War II Lincolnian nationalist message that's been appealing to people for a very long time, Trump is much better at that and has a much better foundation than Joe Biden ever does. And never has, really. I mean, Biden has cornered into supporting the left. Trump's message can be much more appealing to a wider group of people, but he's going to have to get out of attack mode and he's going to have to stop interrupting. And I don't know if he can do it. I mean, this is Trump's persona. Everybody loved it, of course, when he was in 2016, when he was attacking Hillary Clinton and when he was going after Ted Cruz. I mean, this is what he thinks gets him there. But the Trump highlights was none of that. When Trump hit home runs, he was simply just saying things that are true. Okay, now. Let me talk about the line of questioning in this particular debate and how that was, I think, showing that the presidency has gone so far off the rails from what the founding generation intended it to be. So first and foremost, there was not one question, not one question about foreign policy. Not one. This is Fox News. Now, maybe because it's Fox News and because they're all a bunch of neocons and because they want to bomb everybody, they're not going to ask Trump these questions because asking Trump these questions would put you in a situation where you can clearly delineate between Trump, the man who's trying to be the peacemaker, and Joe Biden, who's going to be a bomb away. Now, I think that uh, the, the Fox News people maybe realize that Americans are not in favor of bombing away. We know Joe Biden is. We know that all the Democrats are, all the establishment. That's what they want to do. And Trump has shown an, an inclination not to want to do that. In fact, the only time that foreign policy was ever brought up indirectly is at one point when Joe Biden said that climate change is going to affect foreign policy or when they're talking about the military. That's the only time any of this stuff was ever brought up. So the primary job of the president, according to the U.S. Constitution, is foreign policy. They're head of state. They meet with ambassadors and other heads of state from other countries. This is what they do. This is the primary job of the president, to handle foreign policy, to have a unified voice for the United States when it comes to foreign policy, and, of course, to execute the laws of the United States, the laws that are passed by Congress, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. So we've got a the most important job the president can do, not even brought up in a quote, presidential quote-unquote debate. It's not a debate. They're not debating anything. 
The most important job the president would have, would have is not even addressed in this debate. That's a travesty. I mean, that shows you how bad presidential politics have gotten. Foreign policy drives everything. Foreign policy drives domestic policy. You can make a case if it wasn't for World War II. Post-World War II domestic policy might have been entirely different because of the expansion of the general government, because of the type of things that happened during World War II and people wanted to come back and uh, uh, create a different kind of environment, a social and economic environment in the United States post-World War II. I mean, none of that would have happened. Foreign policy drives domestic policy. Ron Paul has made this case for years, for years. And I think he's 100% right about that. And if you go back and read a number of the inaugural addresses and other things presidents spent a lot of time on in the 18th, 19th centuries, it was foreign policy. They talked about it quite a bit. Not one question last night about foreign policy. It was all about domestic policy. So that was a major disaster in and of itself. But most Americans are so detached from foreign policy, they don't even know what to think about it anymore. I mean, look, since 9-11, foreign policy, of course, was a big issue after 9-11. We're going to go out and we're going to bomb everybody. And then Trump made this actually a, a pretty big issue in the 2016 campaign and showed himself to be a peacemaker. It's why uh, Tulsi Gabbard is not allowed in the Democrat Party right now because she doesn't think we need to be in all of these countries either. I mean, look, Tulsi Gabbard should have been running on some other ticket because we need this kind of foreign policy voice. Or Donald Trump should have been appealing to Tulsi Gabbard from the beginning saying, hey, look, I want you in my administration in one way. We may not see eye to eye on domestic policy, but we certainly see eye to eye on foreign policy. Let me get you in this administration. And I think Tulsi Gabbard probably would have taken him up on it. She probably would have. So the fact is, no foreign policy last night. A disaster. An absolute disaster. So let's look at some of the other things that were brought up. First thing is the Supreme Court nomination. And I spent a whole week last week on the Supreme Court, so I'm not going to get into that, except to say that Trump was 100% right that he won the election. And he, he's, he was a, it was a great zinger. Look, I was not elected for three years or three and a half years. I was elected for four years. And in that particular time period, when a vacancy pops up on the Supreme Court, I'm going to nominate someone. Then it goes to the Senate where they can decide to take that up or not. It's their role. Joe Biden was in the Senate, as Trump kept saying, for 47 years. He was. I mean, look, or however long he was in the Senate. I can't remember the exact number. According to Joe Biden, it's 180 years. He's been there since 1840. But the fact is, uh, Biden was in the Senate for a very long period of time. It's the Senate's job if they want to confirm, confirm a, a choice or not. Obama presented a candidate for the bench. He made an appointment, Merrick Garland. The Senate just refused to vote on it. And as Mitch McConnell, who I'm no fan of, Mitch McConnell pointed out in a, oh, an excellent speech, look, you were asking us to do something that no one ever does. When, you're, when the opposite party controls the Senate in an election year, no one ever confer, confirms those judicial appointments. But when the two parties are the same, it happens all the time. Makes sense. The people voted in the Senate. The people voted in the president. Okay, These people were elected. They didn't just 
take office by decree. And so when Biden says, well, we need to wait for an election, there was an election in 2016. And I think Trump hit a home run with that when he said it. There's no comeback to this. This is just whining and temper tantrum. And I think Trump then, at the end of the debate, hit the hit it out of the park again on this particular issue. This is the one spot that I think Trump just buried the Democrats. If people had an open mind at all about what's going on. Trump. So when I listen to Joe talking about a transition, there has been no transition from when I won. I won that election. He did. He won the election. And if you look at crooked Hillary Clinton, if you look at all the different people, there was no transition because they came after me to do a coup. This has been shown to be correct. We're getting some information coming out now that shows that the that Clinton and Obama were in on trying to take out Trump before by, by creating a phony Russia story that led to Trump's impeachment. I mean, all of this stuff has been completely fabricated. If there's anybody that needs to be thrown in jail, it would be high-ranking officials in the Obama administration. They were orchestrating a coup against the incoming president of the United States and sitting president of the United States. They came after me spying on my campaign. This is true. They started from, day, from the day I won and even before I won. From the day I came down the escalator with our first lady, they were a disaster. They were a disgrace to our country. And we've caught them. We've caught all of them. We've got it all on tape. We've caught them all. And by the way, you gave the idea for the Logan Act against General Flynn. You better take a look at that because we caught you in a sense. And President Obama was sitting in the office. This is true. I mean, look, Biden and Obama were orchestrating this from behind the scenes. This is the tarmac meeting between Loretta Lynch and Bill Clinton, they were working this out. They were trying to maintain power. There is no more dangerous group in America than the left Democrats because they try. They believe their birthright is power. They're very, very dangerous. And this is what all this stuff is going on, all the rioting, the looting, the, the civil unrest, all of that is orchestrated to make people think that if you don't vote for them, they're going to continue to do this and they're going to burn stuff down and they're going to go crazy. If you vote for them, they'll stop. It's blackmail. That's all it is. It's blackmail. So Trump continues. He knew about it, too. So don't tell me about a free transition. As far as ballots are concerned, it's a disaster. A solicited ballot, okay. If solicited, is okay. You're soliciting. You're asking. They send it back. You send it back. I did that. If you have an unsolicited, they're sending millions of ballots all over the country. There's fraud. They found them in creeks. They found some just happened to have the name Trump just the other day in a waste, pa- waste paper basket. They're being sent all over the place. They sent two in a Democratic area. They sent a thousand ballots. Everyone got two ballots. This is going to be a fraud like you've never seen. The other thing, it's nice. On November 3rd, you're watching and you see who won the election. And I think we're going to do well because people are really happy with the job we've done. So uh, then he says that, of course, um, if, if we're going to look at what happens, we're going to look at what happens with this. And if there's a fraud, we're not going to concede, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, Chris Wallace and, and Biden go absolutely nuts. Uh, and Chris Wallace did a horrible job moderating this quote unquote debate. Horrible job. So that part, when you open up with this, I mean, this is look, the, the president does have to appoint judges. And Trump, again, made a point. Hey, look, vote for me so I can keep putting these federal judges in here. This shows the structural deficiencies of the United States. Why are federal judges so important? Well, because we've let the judicial branch become the most powerful branch of government next to the executive branch. The legislative branch has no power. The legislative branch is completely worthless because we want the president to order 
rules by decree, and we want the Supreme Court to uphold or deny those rules. We don't need a legislature anymore the way that Congress operates. Now, this is not the way it's supposed to work, and I think that's the major problem with all of this. You're looking at two individuals up there with plans and programs and my administration and my agenda. All that doesn't matter. Trump can't raise taxes or lower taxes. Joe Biden can't raise taxes or lower taxes. One thing I'll give Trump for credit for again is that he kept pointing back to that. Congress has to do this. Nancy Pelosi has to do this. When he was asked about COVID, he said, look, ask Nancy Pelosi. I can't, I can't legislate COVID relief. That's what Congress has to do. Next point, COVID. Let's get to that. I don't think Trump did a good enough job here pointing out that uh, he had very little control over how some of these things happened. He did shut down the border of the United States, and Joe Biden didn't want to do that. I mean, look, the Biden uh, team did not want to shut down the border of the United States and shut off trade with China. They didn't want to do any of that stuff. Trump, of course, was right on it, and I think that he, again, was trying to get there. He just didn't get it. He didn't hit the points that need to be made about this. Trump has no control how the virus ran through the country. And what's really happened, and of course, Joe Biden stands up and says, look, if you vote for me, we're going to shut everything down again. We're going we're to shut everything down to help business. We're going to shut everything down to help business. How are we going to do that? Because we're going to provide hand sanitizer and face masks. I mean, this is just stupid. Anyone with half a brain should see this as just stupid. If you want, and, and, and Trump is being hammered for the economy. Look, it's not his fault the economy's in the tank. We can look at monetary policy and debt and everything else and spending, and it's gone up tremendously during the Trump uh, Trump uh, years. But the fact is, Trump can't handle, uh, can't control the fact that states shut down the economy. He has no control over that. And in many cases, these states shut down the co- the economy illegally and immorally. And Trump, I think, did a good job of saying that. Look, I mean, we've had drug addiction up, alcohol addiction, divorce. I mean, there are some really bad things going on because everyone's sitting at home now and nobody's working. And if you look at, I mean, I read an article in the, uh, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal. They focused on uh, a poor mother and her children. I mean, she's out of work. She can't make it right now. They're really struggling. They got the kids trying to do school at home. Most, uh, not most, a lot of people in America don't have access to high-speed internet or good high-speed internet and, of course, laptop computers and other things. So you've got a whole bunch of kids that can't go to school. And, of course, as critical as I am of school, we know that when kids aren't in a structured environment, they go out and do stupid things. So we need some things going on here. And, you know, if you got, uh, you can still have a structured environment at home. It's very easy to do. But the fact is, most parents aren't equipped to do that because they're not home or they don't plan to this, do these kind of things. This is hard. Biden, if Biden wins, Biden wants you to wear a mask if you're standing in the middle of, of 100 acres by yourself in Wyoming. He'd want you to still wear a mask. Now, how stupid is that? But that's the Democrats on COVID. And of course, they're going to hammer Trump on 200,000 deaths for COVID. Uh, we know that there's some accounting errors in some of those things and that all that's not exactly accurate. But regardless, we've got a bad situation there. OK, and I think Trump didn't do enough to hammer this, that Joe Biden is the wrong person for the job. Same thing with the economy. I mean, Joe Biden is the wrong person to direct the economy, but so is Donald Trump in many ways. I mean, look, the the debt 
uh, inflation, all of these things that we're looking at in American society have gone up tremendously during the time Trump has been in office, and the Republicans uh, have contributed to a lot of this. So we've got uh, neither president really qualified for that. Then the questions like uh, that were given on, on race and uh, critical race theory and, the, and uh, the environment, global warming or climate change. I mean, why are we asking the president these questions? Why are we asking a potential president these questions? Last time I checked, the president didn't have any constitutional responsibility in these ways, except as Trump said, look, if you ask us to come into your city, we'll clean it up for you. But until you ask, I can't do anything. Trump's actually following the Constitution here. He did present himself as a law and order president, something that Biden could not do because Biden is not one who, because of the far left, he can't come out and say some of these things. We know Biden probably is. We know he's going to be a little more center-right than Kamala Harris, but Biden's also a chameleon. He's an expert politician. And Biden will say just about anything to get elected, so he's going to appeal to his base, which is, again, the far left. It has to be. It has to be the far left, because those are the only people he thinks are going to get him elected. The, the thing about race, and this is something that I just, it, it shocks me at times. No one sees the undertones in any of this, that somehow anyone who's not a white American is a monolithic voter or a block voter, meaning that white Americans don't vote that way. So the idea is that you appeal to white Americans. But when you want to appeal to black Americans or Hispanic Americans or whatever else, well, it's just, I'm going to give you stuff. Or, um, you know, you're going to vote as a block. I mean, the, the way this is portrayed is, I mean, awful in a way. It, it's, it's not even real. But it's, it's pandering and it shows these people all have a type of racial bias. They all do. I mean, Biden's got it too. So this debate was a disaster. It was a disaster. I suffered through almost all of it for you. The amount of crosstalk and arguing and everything else was just completely pathetic. Biden's response to a lot of the stuff where he puts his head down, he shakes his head, and you know it, all these kind of things. Uh, was also pathetic. But both these men are a symptom of the disease. If we didn't have the disease of executive government we, where we expect the president to do just about everything under the sun, we wouldn't have a debate like last night. So the whole idea is to start thinking locally and acting locally, start ignoring the president where you can, and maybe one, one day enough people will be thinking locally and acting locally that we can just kind of you know undercut this entire sham of an institution in Washington, D.C. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. I will see you next time. See you then.